To find out more about the series, please visit our website at virgilkaylock.uk. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock. Waterhall. Chapter 2. Hello, Mr. Magpie. How's your wife? Only one. Oh, that's not good, is it? One for sorrow, two for joy, three for something or other. I forget. What is it? What's three? A girl. Oh, yes. Four for something. What is it? A boy. Oh, yes. Something, something, something. Seven for the biggest lie you ever told. <laughs> Actually, I'm not that superstitious. Not really. I don't walk under ladders, but you know, that's just common sense. Our destination was Waterhall, a girls' school about three miles from North Walsham. There was little information to be had in London, and no telephone number, and so Dorothy had decided that we should simply arrive on their doorstep, unannounced. I never open an umbrella indoors, do you? The journey seemed endless. Norfolk has always been a by-the-way sort of place, and no direct trains go there from London. Since changing trains at Cambridge, we had sat together in the carriage for over four hours. You know, the journey would be shorter and more pleasant if you were capable of conversation. Sorry. It's impolite. You usually tell me I'm trying too hard. Yes, you've changed. I've woken up. From what? To what? It doesn't matter now. It might. Come on, what have you woken up to? Realisation that I will never get what I want. The realisation that I am not in control of my own life. I am not driving the train. What are you talking about? In fact, the train is off the rails and careering about, waiting for another lamppost or tree or mountain to run into. Virgil, you and I are on the same train. Are we? I really don't think we are. Dorothy said nothing. She sat back in her seat and looked at the wet fields rushing by. I had overstepped the mark. I had broken a rule. I felt wretched. So who is driving your train? Well, it's either somebody or nobody at all, and I'm not sure which is worse. I shouldn't have come. You are morose, self-centred and extremely dull. Pack up. We have the opportunity of doing good and helping a distressed child. A dead child? Well, living or dead, she still needs our help. As the worst has already happened, I'm not sure there's much we can do. Well, we'll see. Did you manage to find any batteries? Yes, heavy ones. The wireless sat on the seat next to me, wrapped in brown paper, and tied up with string. It was made of solid rosewood and was cumbersome, but it was valuable, and I had refused to leave it in the luggage compartment. You mentioned an eccentric radio expert, Arthur something? What did he have to say about it all? They're absolutely convinced that he had made the biggest discovery in history, a new way to communicate with the spirit world. Apparently, radio signals are made of waves in the air, and so are sound, heat, and light. It turns out most things are made of waves, including a person's soul. Really? He said that in essence, our spirit, our eternal form, is a waveform too. A waveform that travels through the ether. We can't feel it or see it or hear it because our senses are dull. But some animals can, and so can a wireless. Did you see it working? No, I didn't correspond with him. He was another eccentric who wanted his name in the papers. I ignored him. So why don't we hear ghosts on the radio every day? I don't know. Perhaps in time we will. We left the train at North Walsham. 
There were no motor taxis to be had, but a horse and trap was available to take us several miles along rough roads through bleak, flat countryside. Habitation was scarce, mostly small hamlets of tawdry cottages. The 20th century had yet to find its way to this part of the world. Night was falling, and it was dark by the time we drew up at the Green Man, a traditional thatched public house in the hamlet of Claypit. There were so few houses about that I wondered how the establishment had survived. We were received by Mr. Weston, the innkeeper, and shown to our rooms, which were clean but spartan, and though the inn boasted a water closet, there were pots placed under the bed for our convenience. After a short while, I joined Dorothy in the saloon for a dinner of meat pie and ale. Don't look like that. We were lucky to get rooms. Look like what? You've hardly touched your food. Because it's inedible. You happy with your meal? Absolutely. Thank you. Very nice. Yes, thank you, Mr Weston. Delicious. Well, that's good. I'll tell Mrs Weston. When you're ready for more, I'll give me a shout. Mr Weston was a stout fellow with a worsted waistcoat and jacket and trousers tucked into his boots. He was open-faced and amiable and clearly enjoyed the role of host. When not serving us, he joined an affable company of men drinking at the bar. Oh, Mr Weston, we are making our way to Waterhall School tomorrow morning. Can you help us with transport? Waterhall? In Stokeswood? What do you want to go there for? We're just visiting. We're visiting friends. Well, you won't find them there. Been empty since before the war, for more than 20 years. Oh. Not sure the road's still passable. It's closed. It is. I've not been down there for years. It's a ruin, most likely. Jack? That's right. Nobody goes there now. Maybe the young'uns just to scare themselves, you know. Scare themselves? You know what they're like, making a fuss and screaming in the woods. You won't catch me there. Why not? Let's leave it be. But why? Now, if I was you, I'd go to the seaside. Go to Cromer. Lovely it is. Even at this time of year. Expensive, mind. Lovely pier, best fish and chips in England, and the tallest church steeple in the world. Just shout for more ale when you're ready. Thanks. Well, that's that then. What do you mean? We're still going. What for? It's a ruin. There's nothing there. But what difference does that make? It actually makes it easier as we won't need to explain ourselves to anyone. How will we get there? Mr Weston will take us. He just said he wouldn't. He will. The next morning, a reluctant Mr Weston placed cushions in his cart and bounced us along pitted roads and rutted tracks to a dark wall of trees that rose abruptly from the empty landscape. That's it. Old Nick's wood. Last night you called it Stokeswood. It used to be. They call it Old Nick's wood now. Why? Why do they call it that? Because that's where he lives, I suppose. Best place for him. He can keep it. Secret place. We followed the track as it wound through short, stunted trees coated in moss and lichen that rose from a sea of briar and nettles and halted at a decayed but padlocked gate. That's as far as I go. It's just down there. Thanks. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Mr Weston. Dorothy and I peered at the overgrown track which disappeared into the wood. Changed your mind? No, not at all. Doesn't get any better. There's nothing to see down there except an old ruined house. Leave it be. I'll take you back. No, thanks. We'll be fine. What's in the box? Um, it's a... well, it's a... It's a camera. We want to take a photograph. What for? Never mind. I'll be back for you at three. No, we'll be waiting for you. Thank you, Mr Weston. We climbed the gate and headed down the neglected path. 
The box was heavy and awkward to carry, and I stopped every so often to rest. As we approached, we could see the old building through gaps in the wood. Waterhall was still standing, though the trees seemed to be creeping up to it on every side, and brambled tentacles reached out towards the walls, as if yearning to pull it down. There was a central building of three floors, flanked by wings of two stories on either side. It was stark and plain, two classical columns beneath a portico at the front door being the limit of its architectural frivolity. It was damp, dark, and derelict. It may have once been white, but it was now discoloured with mould. Some of the windows hung open. Some had kept their glass, but many more were broken. The wooden frames and sills had rotted, and a few on the ground floor sported a mass of delicate orange fungi. Seen better days, I'd say. Yeah, it's just been left to rot away. Why not just pull it down? Do you think it's locked? Dorothy walked gingerly up the front steps and pushed at the door. Dorothy, we're trespassing. We might as well look around. Stay out here if you like. Beyond the door, there was a large hallway with a grand central staircase to the upper floors and numerous doors leading off to the left and right. The floor was littered with fallen leaves and all the detritus of disrepair and disintegration. A metal cabinet stood incongruously in the middle of the floor, its drawers open and its papers lying in drifts across the boards. That floor is probably unsafe. It feels sound enough. It's filthy. Filthy and horrible. She walked around the carcass of a dead bird and stepped through a doorway. It's an office. What's left of it? God. What is it? Take a look. A table had been overturned. A chair lay in pieces. But Dorothy was looking at the wall. In large letters written in dripping ink were the words, Here comes old Nick and a crude depiction of a pair of scissors. Old Nick? What do the scissors signify? We passed through rooms in various stages of dereliction. Time and neglect had discoloured the walls and coated the floors with filth, and in addition, the whole building had been badly vandalised. Much of the furniture had been broken or overturned, and books and papers were strewn about in every room. Many walls had been defaced with childish scribbles in ink, chalk or paint most repeating the name Old Nick, sometimes accompanied with a crude drawing of a pair of scissors or a skull and crossbones with dripping blood. They must think a lot of him to write his name everywhere. In the corner of a classroom, charred chair legs and singed schoolbooks lay where a small fire had blackened the wall and burnt through the floorboards. Vandals. They've got in and made themselves a campfire. Look. Above the charred wainscoting, written in ash from the fire, were the words, Kitty Cooper is still here. Kitty, that's our girl. The ground floor comprised a refectory, a gymnasium, a library, an assembly hall, and several more classrooms. Virgil, come here, look at this. Room 7B was an oasis of order. The tide of vandalism that had swept through the other rooms had left this one intact. The chairs and desks stood in formal lines facing a blackboard covered with the illegible markings of a forgotten lesson. A large map of the world curled on the wall. The shelves were orderly and stacked with rows of books, and the floor was clear of debris. It's untouched. Why did they leave this one? 
Dorothy walked to the teacher's desk, where a tidy pile of cotton-bound exercise books stood waiting to be marked. Charlotte Brooks, Agnes Tully, Janet Goff, Maisie O'Connell, Catherine Cooper, Kitty. That's Kitty. Dorothy ran her hand over the cover, wiping off the dust. This was her classroom. She sat here at one of these desks. Which one do you think? What's in the book? Exercises. Her writing was beautiful. I wandered down the line of desks, my shoes disturbing the dust on the floor. Hades. I found Hades. What? A small black metal door was set in the wall at the back of the room, and in the centre, written elegantly in flaking gold paint, was the word Hades. I tried the handle. It's locked. This is it. She's here, somewhere. Dorothy opened her arms, closed her eyes, and addressed the classroom. Kitty? Can you hear me? Shh, don't. Why not? It's the reason we came. We don't know what we're dealing with. We know nothing about her. Then we find out. Kitty. Catherine Cooper, are you here? Do you want us to help you? Wait, listen. I heard something. Kitty, talk to us. Please, if you are there, speak. Kitty? Speak to us, Kitty Cooper. Hello. Christ! Who's there? What are you doing here? This is private land. A small, white-haired woman stood peering around the door at us, her delicate hands clutching the frame and her frightened eyes darting from my face to Dorothy's. What do you want? Um... We thought it was deserted. You shouldn't be here. I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to startle you. The door was open. We'll leave. Of course we will. Who are you? We're just visiting. Well, I can't have you treating the school like a playground. Are you from the village? Um, no. We're staying at the Green Man in Claypit. I won't have you damaging the property. Who are you? I'll call the police. Look, we're sorry. We thought the place was empty. You break into my home and paint on the walls? You're hooligans. I can assure you we are no such thing. Then what are you doing here? Uh, my mother was here. As a girl, I mean. She had such a happy time. I just wanted to see it, that's all. You know, where she went to school. She's always talking about it. It sounded such fun. Your mother? What was her name? Um, her name is Martha Gray. Happy times. She was always talking about it. Did, did you know her? Martha Gray? Do you remember her? It was a long time ago, so... We're sorry to surprise you like this. Yes, she's never forgotten her childhood here and her friends. She loved Waterhall. Would you like a cup of tea? Um... I have some rooms beyond the gymnasium. It's comfortable there. I can give you tea. And I might have some cake. That's very kind, It's but... no trouble. Um... I don't know if we Do have... you like gingerbread? Thank you. That's very kind. This but... way, it's not far. My name is Miss Blythe. Come along, this way. We followed Miss Blythe through the dark and empty corridors until she pushed open a door and we entered a comfortable kitchen lit with oil lamps and candles and warm with the smell of baking. A tabby cat stood up from its cushion and stretched its back. Off you get, Percy. We have guests. The walls were busy with paintings of cats and shelves packed with jars of jam, teapots and tins. I am reduced to a few small rooms now. It's such a shame. 
I had to let the rest go. We can all squeeze in around the table. You don't mind? Not at all. <laughs> it's lovely. Please, sit down. I don't have electricity, but candles are better. The paraffin heater will keep us warm and we'll put the kettle on. There's gingerbread in that jar. Do help yourselves. Now, plates. Thanks. The school, is it all yours? Oh, it's always been home. I came here as matron in 1879. Now, that makes me rather old, doesn't it, Percy? <laughs> Not at all. When did it close? Oh, long, long ago, but my memories are my jailer. I can't bear to leave, though of course I should. Why? Uh, why was it closed? Oh, there isn't much I can do for it now. It's in a sorry state and the village children make it worse. It would take more money than I have to restore it. It was such a good school. Waterhall had a reputation. Can you imagine? These corridors full of chatter and bustle, light and fun. So many girls. You must miss them. Silly thing. They are at that age. Muddle-headed creatures most of the time, but I loved them all. Do you know they don't call me matron or Miss Blythe? Oh no, they call me auntie. I'm a soft touch, that's why. I can never say no. Poor little souls miss their mothers, that's the truth of it. They follow me about like lost sheep. Shoo, off you go, back to class. You can't be cross with them, cheeky things. I remember the faces of each and every one of them. And my mother, Martha Gray. What's your name, child? Uh, Dorothy. Dorothy, you are telling me a fib. Now, you shouldn't be in the habit of telling fibs, should you? Um, no. Sorry. Sorry, Miss Blythe. Sorry, Miss Blythe. Sorry, indeed. Martha Gray is dead. She died here at the school. How did she die? I think you know the answer to that. No, we don't. Really. They told you at the public house. No, they didn't. We don't know They're anything. All such gossips. Can you tell us? What happened to Martha Gray? Perhaps not. It's not a nice story. Please. Please, Miss Blythe. Oh, you can't give happiness to every child, not if they don't want it. Martha Gray, she was a shy little thing, small, mousy, wouldn't say boo to a goose. Not the best start in life, she was born out of wedlock, they had that in common. Sometimes a weak girl finds comfort in the shadow of a stronger one. She stuck to Catherine like glue, she wouldn't leave her alone. Catherine? Kitty Cooper was willful and rebellious, vain, thick black hair. Girls are not permitted to wear their hair down, however beautiful it might be. They were friends. You could try to part them, but they flew back to each other like magnets. Catherine was tall and Martha was small. Infatuation. Fairly common in a girls' school. What happened? Well, Waterhall does not permit nonsense like that. So they were parted, kept away from each other in different classes. That's how we deal with it here. Martha was distraught, the poor lamb. Quite lost without her friend. It was a cry for help, I think. What was? There was, um, an incident. What incident? Martha was on ink roster. Ink roster? What's that? Each day a girl is tasked with filling the inkwells. They collect the bucket from the store and fill each and every inkwell. Forty-five of them. I think Mrs Doherty was trying to be kind to occupy her. She was so upset. Well, of course she was. She missed her friend. Kitty Cooper. She walked into the classroom, shaking like a leaf. I'll never forget it. She stood in the middle of the room and she poured the bucket of ink right over her own head. In front of the class! You can imagine the commotion, the screams. The poor child. I just wanted to cuddle her and make it better. 
but the silly little thing was covered in blue ink. Right. Well, that sort of behaviour was not going to go unpunished, and Martha was dragged off and scrubbed down till her skin was red raw, and then she was sent off to Hades. Hades? What's that? It's the cellar. Only the naughtiest girls go down there. That's awful. Well, it's just a cellar. But of course the girls think it's the scariest place on earth. Children like to scare themselves, don't they? Do they? Well, of course they do. Goblins, ghosts and fairies. And what could be more frightening than Hades, Old Nick's dungeon? Who is Old Nick? Why, the devil, of course. The older girls terrify the little ones. That's how it goes. Oh, the tricks they play. Leaving things in the beds, pulling hair, jumping out of the cupboards. Oh, yes, they are all scared of old Nick. How cruel. The children are cruel. Very cruel. The child was crying and begging to be let out, the poor poppet. But then by tea time she'd gone. The door was open and Martha had vanished. And so had Kitty Cooper. I suppose Kitty had got hold of the key somehow and off they went. Never to be seen again? Kitty was never seen again. And what happened to Martha? She hadn't got very far, this silly thing. The girls found her in the wood the next morning, lying in the leaves like a rag doll. Her dear little throat had been cut. What? Poor poppet. And Kitty Cooper was gone. Quite gone. Who killed her? Well, no one knows. People talk, they always do, but why would Kitty do such a thing? It makes no sense. But there we are. Some girls are just born wicked. The woods were searched, the school was searched, nothing at all. Kitty Cooper had vanished. Waterhall was closed down a few weeks later. We couldn't survive the scandal, you see. No, I see. What good is a school without pupils? I try to look after it as best I can, but I can't work miracles. You've been here ever since? And so now you can tell me. Why have you come here? And let's have no fibs, please. Well... This is going to sound odd, but we came to find Kitty. Oh, Kitty Cooper is not here. I should know. I am quite alone. Miss Blythe, it is possible that the spirit of Kitty Cooper has been trying to talk to me. I beg your pardon? She is still here, in this school, and I believe she wants me to find her. Good Lord. Waterhall, Chapter 2, by John Ram, Virgil Kaylock was played by Nicholas Bolton. The young Kaylock, Daniel Fraser. Dorothy Bell, Ellie Turner. Miss Blythe, Maggie Olerenshaw. And Kitty Cooper was played by Jennifer English. The music was composed and performed by Neil Brand. The Strange Tales of Virgil Kaylock are produced by Richard Varman, Martin Malone and John Ram and are supported using lottery funding by the National Lottery through Arts Council England. It is a Kaylock production. To find out more about the series, please visit our website at virgilkaylock.uk.